Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry and this, of course, is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today we are very, very excited to be talking to you about the long-awaited Denny Villeneuve <laughs> version of the first half of the first book. Dune! <laughs> There's something happening to me. There's something awakening in my mind. I can't control it. What did you see? There's a crusade coming. Do you often dream things that happen just as you dream them? Yes. The test is simple. Remove your hand from the box and you die. What's in the box? Pain. You inherit too much power. You have proven you can rule yourself. Now you must learn to rule others. Something none of your ancestors learned. My father rules an entire planet. He's losing it. He's getting a richer one. He'll lose that one too. Arrakis is a death trap. I'll kill him. This is an extermination. They're picking my family off one by one. Let's fight like demons. An animal caught in a trap will gnaw off its own leg to escape. What will you do? I know you. One day, the legend will be born. All of civilization depends on it. The future, I can see it. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. My Lord Duke. Where the fear is gone, only I will remain. Go, go, go! talking about dune baby um, got a, a quick synopsis if people haven't heard of dune before yeah so dune a 2021 film just came out a couple in the states it just came out feature adaptation of frank herbert's science fiction novel about the son of a noble family entrusted with the protection of the most valuable asset and most vital element in the galaxy as he said it's directed by 
Denis Villeneuve, and it stars Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Zendaya, or Zendaya, I don't know how you, Oscar Isaac, Jason Momoa, Stellan Skarsgård, Josh Brolin, Javier Bardem. Nobody you've heard Dave of. Dave Bautista, and a bunch of other people. Yeah, it's full, of, right. full of stars. Full of stars. My God, it's full of stars. That's a sci-fi reference. That's a sci-fi reference for those of you who have heard of science fiction. Um, so, so uh, we did the we did the other Dune. We did the David Lynch Dune mm-hmm. earlier in our podcast, mm-hmm. um, and now we're doing this Dune. And this is, of course, we spoil this. So, for those of you who are interested but maybe haven't seen it yet, or maybe want to not hear all of our thoughts on it before seeing it this is one of the very cutting edge ones we do so turn it off and don't listen to us ruin it for you right right that being said you saw it in the theater the other night i did i saw it last night did you make it in time i missed we missed a couple of minutes of the beginning unbelievable but it was yeah We have, a, that, that, not, I'm not the problem, but uh, the people that I go to movies with, they're often the problem. I'm not the problem either. So, <laughs> so I now have seen this Dune three times. I was so and excited. And it's a long movie too. But I have not seen it. I haven't seen it on the big screen uh, yet yeah. I, because it simultaneously came out on HBO Max. So I watched it the first night on my TV. And even though I'm very familiar with the material, it is very dense subject matter. And good old Denny does a lot of, um, like even scenes that can feel spare. There's a lot going on in them. Um, So I watched it again the night after. And you'll notice that we are side by side again uh, which is going to be a rarity on the show, but uh, on my trip down here, I watched it yet again. So I've seen a lot of it. Um, I would definitely say if you have any interest in this movie at all, see it on the big screen. Because like, I mean, it definitely would lose a lot, I imagine, seeing it on the smaller screen. So yeah, I mean, I think you, I think you, te- it tells the story and you look at it and you go, I mean, I watched that. I have a big screen TV, but it's not movie theater sized. Uh, the, the, the pictures that he paints are, they're just gorgeous. Um, but the scope of it is definitely designed. And I would say this a Blade Runner 2049 too. It's yes. definitely designed for the, you know, by all means, watch it at home. But if you can see it on a big screen, it's going to be better um so you've seen less of this movie that i have why don't you start so okay and we'll say that some of this will echo a little bit of what we talked about when we watched the david lynch movie i have never read a single word of a dune book you've read all of them and maybe some more than once and so I went into the David Lynch movie knowing I knew that there were worms. You know, that was kind of the extent that of meme it. that you sent me was really funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll put that on the we'll put that on our Instagram when we put this up. But um, I mean, that was about what I knew about it. But I so I went into that one completely not knowing anything, and that's been six eight months or so ago that we saw that. So th- I didn't remember a lot from that. There were 
there were a couple of times that I remembered things and I thought, oh, okay, I wonder how they're going to handle this in the movie. Um, the, and we've talked about this with other Dennis Villeneuve movies. You, you mentioned Blade Runner 2049. His visuals are amazing. There, you know, there is, there are things in this that are obviously done with computers, but everything looks photorealistic. So there, one thing in particular, and I'll, I'll say this, I watched this movie with my sister and brother-in-law who knew even less about Dune than what I did. They've never read any of the books and they haven't seen the David Lynch movie. So they went in it, into it. Did they like it? it? My brother-in-law liked it a lot. Um, he really enjoyed it. My sister said it was better than I thought it was going to be. That was kind of her, I think she was kind of bored. Um, to be honest, but she, I think it's just not exactly her kind of thing, but, uh, but he really, really liked it. And one thing particularly he, he mentioned, so there are these ships that they fly around in, are they the ornithocopters or yeah, something like that? Thopters. Thopters. Okay. So there are these insect like, uh, ships and they're, uh, they're the wings flap like a dragonfly, like a dragonfly. Yeah. And that could, in lesser hands, I think could come off as really silly. But in this, it looks great and it just looks like a real thing. You know, everything in this looks real. Yeah. I particularly thought the, the scene that really made the most of those four wings is there's a scene where they're in a sandstorm and it messes up the wings. Mm -hmm. They're coming and off. You, they, you know, so they, they go from four wings to one of the wings won't open back up and then one of the wings breaks off mm -hmm. and then one more of the wings breaks off and they just have one wing and they start to do this crazy like a maple yeah. seed they start to sort of spiral right. but they're also inside and they're like bracing themselves and trying to wrestle the controls and it i mean i just thought it really made this four propellered thing feel like Oh, this is the way that these can fail. <laughs> and you yeah, yeah. like, oh, it made it seem really real. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's the and real is is a good word. Now I watched a uh, I watched a just a couple of brief interviews with some of the actors in this, and they were the Timothy Timothy Chalamet, who's this uh, he's Paul Atreides, who is the one. Um, and he was just talking about how much of this is real sets and things. And it's just, I mean, the, it just had to be a massive undertaking to make this movie. So the visuals are all fantastic. Um, the cast is really good. And again, not knowing much about the books, I don't, you know, I'll defer to you on how you felt people, um, were cast. You've got one who kind of stood out to me was Jason Momoa, and Jason Momoa is playing Jason Momoa. <laughs> you know, he's just kind of the same and everything, but I really like him. Uh, everybody seems very well cast. Um, comparing it a little bit to the David Lynch movie, uh, the one role that I really noticed was that Josh Brolin as the he's like the general or something. Yeah. Um, and that was the role that Patrick Stewart played, right? And 
and Patrick Stewart's kind of hard to Josh Brolin is great, but Patrick Stewart, I kept thinking about him in that role. Mm. They're played very differently. Um, the it took a bit to get going for me. Once you there is um, so you have these different houses that are you know enemies and things. And so you have the, the bad guys essentially attack the, our heroes. And that's really when it kind of, it really kind of revs up there. And that, that battle was amazing. Yeah. Just the look of that was just incredible. Um, it, the, so the one thing that happened to me, I kept thinking about Blade Runner 2049 watching this and it sort of famously kind of, it was meant to be at least have a sequel or maybe even be a trilogy of movies that he was going to make. And uh, I kept watching this. I kept thinking, man, I wish that would have made more money so he could have gotten to do yeah. Blade Runner 2049 because that's, to be honest, that's kind of more my kind of science fiction. Mm -hmm. The political intrigue stuff leaves me kind of cold. So mm -hmm. I I found myself loving the visuals, but having some difficulty becoming attached all that much to the characters. I yeah. mean, the 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 actors are great and the performances are really good, but I didn't feel emotionally invested in yeah does that make sense it does yeah and i think that's part of the reason although i've never seen lynch talking about it um i would say that's part of the reason that in the lynch movie he chose a style that felt very uh by our century antiquated mm -hmm. like very 1800s the epaulettes and the sort of i mean it was a mishmash but like an art deco because it felt so much like um court intrigue mm -hmm. like it almost could have been if you'd have said it was based on a Dostoevsky novel about you know the different dukes and barons you know working against the crown to build power that's right it feels like that is the engine that drives the movie and the other engine of course is this building jihad of mm -hmm. a religious war um but no, I, I totally understand which, and that's what makes Dune so difficult is you can't really tell the story and leave out all of those, you know, Capulets and right. Montagues. I mean, that's what drives the thing forward. Um, and I also think that for people who aren't fans of the source material, it so much so what these books were or the first book was what written what in the 60s sometime yeah. like late 60s so so many things so much sci-fi since then has borrowed from it so you you know you can really see uh how star wars borrowed a lot from this but also dune it, it's kind of a universal story because it's kings and queens essentially um but you know how many movies have we seen now at this point where you have the one, you know, the matrix and, you know, um, so, and that's not a fault of Dune itself. It's just some of this we've seen so many times yes. because other movies got 
to the screen before this in a way. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. And I mean, I, I say it again, the architecture of it is almost Shakespearean. It's the king or the emperor sets one noble house against another noble house by setting one up, setting a trap for one. Mm -hmm. And then the other comes and just wipes out the first house. It happens to be the house we like, mm -hmm. like they're, they're good guys and the other house are bad guys and that's pretty clearly painted. Um, so the bad guys come back and sort of slaughter the whole house backed by the emperor because the emperor felt threatened by the good guy's house from the very beginning. So right. it was all a big plot to get these people they were worried about out of the way. And then the, the sort of hidden pearl there is there's a son that doesn't get killed mm -hmm. so you have this son in this whole avenge the father avenge your house pressure and the other subplot is there's basically you know uh, witches like a coven of space witches mm -hmm. <laughs> who have for centuries been Shakespearean also yeah, been manipulating bloodlines so this boy this hamlet uh has a dual inheritance because he was i mean spoiler of course he turns out to be this the product of this centuries-old breeding program to 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 create someone who has phenomenal mental powers like can basically read minds and travel through space and time when he's fully realized mm -hmm. um and then it's set on the one planet in the entire universe that produces a substance that's that spice that triggers the brain's ability to now. So there's the spacing guild and everybody relies on the spacing guild to get from one place to the other. Like you couldn't have an intergalactic empire without space travel. And the space travel is predicated on this guild of people who basically huff this spice all day and have mutated into the ability to be able to navigate space and time so they have bred somebody that can do all of that and all of the stuff they do and everything else mm -hmm. and it turns out to be this kid who mm -hmm. is the son of the so there are people on the planet and they've been lying in wait for a messiah and it's just wheels within wheels and with but when you zoom out he's luke skywalker um, and, you know, he's trying to avenge his parents and he is also the most powerful Jedi that's ever been born. Right. And the, the layer that Dune has that doesn't have that is there's a whole army of people that have been waiting for the ascension. There's a messiah element to it that, that Star Wars doesn't realize as fully, but right. um, that literally there's that, that, that not in this movie, this is only the first half of the first book. So in the first, the, this movie would get up to the point in which we get all this stuff about the family in the house and the bad guys think he and his mother are dead and they're out in the desert. And now they found these people and these people have accepted him. And now they're sort of ready to begin phase two, which is now how do we build and groom this army and he develops into what he's going to become and then takes the fight to the emperor um so it's a lot it's really dense stuff so um uh, and that was something also for anybody if you're kind of on the fence if you're 
um, you know, not if you're somebody like me who hadn't read any of this and you thought, oh, you're going to be confused. So I, when we got out of the movie, I asked my sister and brother-in-law, I was like, did you guys understand everything? And they were like, oh yeah, you know. So I think that is, you know, a, a testament I would say to, I mean, you can speak more on this, but it, I was never confused. Right. Um, I think know. he did an excellent job adapting this. And there was, a, it, it, make, it makes me think of the Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. as well, because I went back and I watched that first Lord of the Rings movie uh, not too long ago. And we are in the Shire a long time. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you were like, oh, when do we get the trolls and the, not for a while guys, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's beautiful, but it is slow at the beginning when you're establishing everything that is lost mm -hmm. or at risk. Um, and this movie is, is a little like that too. It's, the first half of the book and the first half of the movie is really the first quarter of the book. So it takes a while to get to the action. Yeah. But once it gets to the action, the action is fantastic. Other um, thing like the Lord of the Rings is there's a lot of stuff that fanboys and girls of the source material might miss. Like there, there's a whole character of the bad guys has two nephews basically and we only one of them makes it to this movie and i wonder if uh fade rautha is going to show up the guy that sting played is okay. absent from this movie oh okay so, so I, I thought sting was the uh raban i thought sting was the guardians of the galaxy no. guy okay and in the first in in the david lynch one remember it was always him floating around maniacally yeah. cackling and sting looking crazy and then there was another younger fat guy that had boils all over his face that was always like that's right <laughs> that's 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 Batista. Raban. Okay. yeah he uh let me ask you this so that was one of the only things that i felt a bit disappointed about and i'm i'm kind of assuming he's going to have more to do in the second second half i don't know i just felt like he did he would just like talk to the uncle every once in a while but he didn't really have a lot to do no and and i think the character of Ravon, he was menacing looking you know but that that's like in the book uh there was never the baron harkonnen would never consider letting raban take over the throne that was fade like fade is the thinker the schemer the, the machinations like he got how you manipulate people and mm -hmm. Raban was just, they called him the beast. I mean, he's just a blonde instrument. So okay. it's not like Dave Batista is a bad actor. It's that the character is not a thinker and doesn't ever understand. There's a scene where it's like, how could we let this happen? Right? Mm -hmm. And they sort of explain it to him, but sort of don't bother. Okay. And then they're just like, you know, we need you to go squeeze. That's what you do. Go to the planet, squeeze as much profit out of it as you can. Mm -hmm. And we see shots of him like cutting off people's heads and yeah. He's just a brute. And there's there's even a shot when I, I caught in one of the subsequent watches where they're sort of talking and he's just standing there with his mouth open listening. And it's pretty, it's brilliant. Like it, it's just going over his head. And it's like, show me all of this is going over your head. <laughs> it's, you know, so it's not, 
it's not a juicy performance for mm-hmm. Dave Batista, but I think he does a pretty good job. He certainly sure. looks, he's, he was fine. Yeah. I just juggernaut of a guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, that yeah. the, the Baron um, is, is handled much differently. Uh, his look in this, in, uh, in the Lynch movie, he's really gross with all the boils and everything. Yeah. He's still gross in this but gross in a, a different way. But yeah. He was really, I really liked how they yeah. uh, presented him. He was, he was really cool. And I, I feel like the visuals in Lynch's movie were more literal to the book mm. and uh, Villeneuve took some more Liberty. For example, it's in the book that Harkonnen is almost disfigured mm. with these facial things. Like that wasn't an invention of Lynch's. Okay. Um, and that's just absent from this one. Like he pick, picked and chose what to include. Um, and there's a there's a group of people called the Mentats that are like human computers and they're trained to, to be human computers. And they're in this movie, but we don't get into, there's a couple of little gestures where he says, how much did it cost to send all these people here? And the guy kind of rolls his eyes back up in his head and he's like three guild navigators and he, so he sort of computes and it's all of that is like, oh, that guy's like a crazy smart wizard guy. And mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, they're smart wizard guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. But in the book, of course, it goes into this whole thing and they have a ritual. And they drink this juice and it's a version of the spice and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, we don't want that. <laughs> so, but I think that's smart yeah. in terms of the storytelling. Sure. Uh, one thing that I was a little, this is a little nitpicky of me. And I don't know if, if how this is presented in the book. The visuals are great and everything looks, you know, it, it looks cool. Um, and the, he does an interesting thing with the, so the bad guys are the Har, Har, Harkonnens. Harkonnens, okay. Uh, and a lot of stuff is is black in color with them, but also they have these white, you know, outfits that I thought that was kind of interesting that you have white for some of the bad guys. But, um, well, those are the, the the white soldiers those are the emperors oh okay okay that's how you tell them apart the harkonnen guys are all in this black shiny okay like, pleather so i was stuff, maybe more confused latex stuff. Was... and then the white guys drop down and you're like okay oh, those are the elite emperors sardaukar guys um but with the um uh, atreides like in there when they're in their home in the beginning and then when they go to arrakis yeah um everything is black and gray and i just kept thinking wouldn't you want a little bit of color somewhere you know what i mean just Mm -hmm. in where you would be and it's an interesting sort of contrast between this and blade runner 2049 which has a lot of color because there's a lot of neon you know in the city and everything there's a lot of and you know there's planets with color and everything so in the in the does the book describe everything as being black and gray or no, no. In the book, it's even more, you know, uh, Arrakis is Tatooine, basically. Yeah. And Gidi Prime is like the Death Star. It's mm-hmm. the, the whole planet, like the whole planet is this onyx, right? And this mm-hmm. whole, it's not like, oh, this is a temperate planet that's got a lot of wooded zones, but also has deserts. It's a planet. Mm-hmm. It's an M-class planet. Nope. Whole planet's a forest. <laughs> this is forest. This is Endor. Yeah. Right? And this is Tatooine. The whole planet's a desert. 
Okay, or fine. Hoth is an ice planet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay, but I mean, planets don't really work like that. I don't know. Ours doesn't. Maybe yeah, ours does. So, I mean, visually, it's great. And that was another thing that I kept thinking with this. I don't know that, that you know that he'd ever even be interested, but I kept thinking Disney should just take all the money, just a truck full of money, and go to his house and say, "Here, whatever you want to do, Star Wars." Yeah. Because just his visuals with Star Wars oh, yeah. would just be well, fantastic. Some of my favorite stuff in this one are little things that actually don't come into the book. So there is a scene in which uh, the Mentat for the Harkonnens goes to Gidi Prime. And this is a manufactured scene. This scene doesn't come into the book because the fact that it's... In other words, this is a scene of expedience to tell a story so that they can avoid spooling it out over many other scenes but he goes to the where the there's a planet where the sardaukar come from and it's basically a prison planet that they're trained on it's supposed to be terrible mm -hmm. uh and it's raining and it's wet and they're in some sort of a training exercise and sort of rows and legions and he's talking to their commander and they have this crazy alien language that sounds almost germanic right and it's in subtitles but while the troops are being prepared there's a guy up on a big obelisk in and he's like calling oh yeah it's almost like the prayer but i don't know if you do you know tuvan throat singing have you ever heard of that mm -hmm. it's this resonant thing you go and it resonates on different frequencies mm -hmm. and that this guy is doing that so this language that he's like calling out the stations of the cross to these warriors is the coolest sounding thing yeah. this big bass amplified you know and, uh, and he moves his, his, yeah, and he's, he's doing these gestures oh that's the other thing i love is all of these houses have their own they all have their own secret languages and ways of communicating and there's other characters that i'm sure we will never see in the movies that play prominently in the book that have devised their own one one guy and his wife they have a series of like and things they do and as they speak where they're communicating with each other well like i would be talking to this guy and i'd be talking to this guy in sort of a sing-song way that i'm i'm saying something totally also to you mm. interesting while we're talking to him mm -hmm. so we're communicating and uh, we see that there's a series of hand gestures where they're they have the like, kind of sign language that they do. That's, they're afraid yeah. that they might be recorded or they're like, mm -hmm. please go see your mother. And it's like, remember your training or something. They all know, mm -hmm. everybody knows. And that's the family. She's communicating with one of her guards that way. I just thought that was so cool. Yeah. Um, and, and that like, comes into the book, but it's a, it says so much without needing to stop and explicate anything. You're like, oh no, they've got their own language. Mm -hmm. And then they have, do they just call it the voice where they can yeah. use their voice to control other people? I, I liked how they handled that in, in the film. Yeah. So, and he's, Paul is learning. He hasn't quite mastered. So it's, right. is it kind of like the force sort of? I mean. Yeah, it's kind of like the force. It's just, uh, it's not, they, the book never gets into there being, the force is this magical thing right? This magical power that connects all and you manipulate this magical power. It's like magic, really. And in the book, it's just that the, the voice and everything else is just that the, uh, the witches who are called uh, Bene Gesserit, 
the witches are so good at reading people and manipulating tonal that it's actually physical. So you find the right tone and the right way to command a given individual and they can't help like you're triggering their autonomous nervous system mm -hmm. to do what you're commanding them to do before they even are aware that they're doing it mm -hmm. okay but I it kept looks thinking, like the jedi mind trick. i kept yeah i kept thinking th these are not the droids you're looking for you right know? but in, in the book it's very clear that it's like and the spice isn't a magical thing the spice is a chemical it's mm -hmm. a psychotropic chemical what what what's weird to me looking at this material today is like you so you can travel interstellar space you can't synthesize this right this is just the thing you find on this one planet you can't make it like mm -hmm. uh, why what's so special about this it's a chemical compound right just make it but they can't yeah for some reason i didn't really get into why of course there's giant sandworms and so that was a question that i have do the do this the sandworms, so in this we, well, I guess we did have the scene where, the one scene where uh, it does come up out of the, because a lot of this is they're just kind of under the ground and the mouth opens up, but we did have the one where where it comes up and. Um, and it's making cool noises too. It's yeah. Kind of like, yeah. Just let the sound design he does. Oh, sound cool. design is fantastic. So for, for you having been a big fan of the novels and you know, movie adaptations are are tough because, uh, you know, a, a novel that you love, it's always, you know, you what you can envision in your mind is usually, at the very least, it's going to be different than what a filmmaker is going to come up with. Right. So, how did did this live up to your expectations, or? I mean, he obviously yes. enjoyed it because he watched no, it no, three I times. Yeah, I, I did enjoy it. I mean, I, I yes, it did. I think um, I thought that the the actor who played Doctor Kynes, I didn't care for so much. I, it's not that she did a bad job, but that didn't square with in the books. The this it, late sixties. This is a mostly a male dominated thing. So he did take the opportunities he could to cast women where he could. Uh, and Dr. Kynes was one of those that he flipped gender on. And I don't have any problem with that. I just didn't, uh, I didn't love uh, that actor's interpretation. And was Dr. Kynes the traitor? Doctor, that was Dr. Yue. Dr. Yue. Dr. Okay. Kynes is the planetologist. Oh, okay, okay. Who is sort of working. And so that character is male in the book? In the book, yeah. Okay. But almost everybody's male in the book. Yeah. The women. Um, it, it, uh, and I agree, you know, Dave Batista. I love Dave Batista. So the problem, and, and all of them, Javier Bardem, like, I love them so much that I sort of see them, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and that's true of lots and lots of people. Oscar Isaac, although I think he did a good job, but I think Timothy Chalamet did a good job. Loved the mother and I loved uh, the Reverend mother too. That was um, the one who comes in to test him. Mm -hmm. That was uh, from, yeah, she is uh, from Zardoz, right? Yeah, yeah, yep, from Zardoz. She's great. Um, what is uh, she is Charlotte Rampling. Yeah, which Charlotte has been Rampling. in a ton of stuff, you know. So, uh, hmm. 
so uh so so i did i liked what they did with it a lot i just it was occasionally it was distracting to see such familiar a-list people in roles that you would i mean timothy chalamet has been in a lot of stuff but he hasn't been in see i i'm familiar with him but i don't think i've seen any of his movies right before. and oscar isaac's been star. everything but oscar isaac um still hasn't been saturated so much he really goes to great lengths to try and look different mm -hmm. he'll either grow a big beard or he'll wear makeup or you know he'll, he'll really try and not look like himself but uh javier bardem who did a great job i mean that that still goes javier bardem you know and i felt that way for a lot of the other main characters and it, it was slightly distracting because they brought such star weight to what's supposed to be a big ensemble piece really now he i know timothy because it's a such a beloved character i think it was a bit um when the internet reaction to timothy chalamet being cast you know I think what some was people were like i think a lot of people were you know it was almost kind of like a uh you know, whenever they cast a new Batman and people are never happy, you know, no matter who it is. Um, how did you think of him? Uh, so I think him and Kyle, so Kyle MacLachlan played this part in the, in the David Lynch movie and they were probably about the same, you know, he was probably about his age, but seemed older. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas, but he's supposed to be like 17 or something. Right? In the book, he's 15 when okay. it starts. So, I mean, he but definitely he into his 20s by the end of it. The he's book 25, like, but he looks what happened these three months. It takes yeah. space over several years. And the, the beginning of it, when we get to the whole first half of the movie is actually the beginning of the book. So the whole first, the, this whole movie, he's like 15, turned 16 mm -hmm. uh and then by the time so he kind of grows up with the fremen and he's more like 2021 at the end but yeah. kyle mclaughlin never seemed young yeah and i think timothy chalamet does especially he's right in the beginning he's 25 but he looks like a teenager so yeah. and, they, and they can probably like and they can probably you know uh once he's supposed to be older in the story you know that'll That'll work too, I think. Alma Deeb was never about brawn. Mm -hmm. It was about his resolve and his intensity. And I think that I thought Timothy Chalamet carried that through. The, does the book, they, you know, it's very serious, uh, the, the movie is. And they work a little bit of humor in here and there. There's some, you know, there's some kind of, uh, uh, Momoa has some kind of funny lines and there's some things with even Oscar Isaac. Does the book have any humor at all or is it just dead serious? No. Okay. And I, I think that was smart of them to put a little bit of levity in it because it could it could just seem overly I say kind that. of dour. You know? There's humor in the book, but it is it is the humor of the French court. Mm -hmm. So the places where the humor comes in is when the Baron is, you know, it's like when you meet an adversary in the court and you are trying to get information out of them and the other person is trying to determine how, where your weaknesses are, right? It's a, it's, it's a mongoose and a King Cobra squaring off, mm -hmm. but you're talking about bonbons, mm -hmm. right? So 
part of that can be little quips and things that both people sort of laugh at. And there is comedy in it in that way, but it's not comedy. It's right. wit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, Gurney Halleck is the, he's the sort of, he's the guy that uh, was the Picard, uh, the, uh, Gurney Halleck is, uh, he's a troubadour and a warrior and uh, there is some, he sings body songs and stuff mm. like that in the book. And when it's the troops and that camaraderie, that's very much in the book. Mm -hmm. And that, because we establish how much Paul loves both him and, uh, um, you know, the weapons master, uh, Momoa. Mm -hmm. It's funny because Momoa is clean shaven in this. Yeah, and he's still jacked. It's like oh, sure. Momoa's jacked, but he's got an oddly meaty face. Mm -hmm. um, it's not that he's a bad-looking guy, but you're used to seeing him with that big like, rock beard, and roll yeah. beard. Mm -hmm. And here he's clean-shaven, and you he looks kind of dough-faced yeah, without it, that beard. Yeah, it, I, I, that was a little he bit... He still has long hair. He has long hair down his back. That was it, a little bit distracting, I felt. Um, I don't remember who... Who who played the father in the in the Lynch movie? I keep trying to. Uh, oh yeah, um, he was great. Uh, I don't remember the guy's name. Like he's uh, you know uh, he's not an American actor. He was like Swiss or Danish okay. or something like that. But I it's, thought he was great. He had this sort of almost unapproachable hauteur to him that felt very duke like this is the duke and mm -hmm. he felt like a ruler to me you know it's interesting because the I've, I've seen a lot of stuff on twitter since this came out that people are kind of rediscovering or re uh appreciating if that's a word <laughs> the the lynch uh movie because it's it's always it was always viewed as like kind of a turkey, you know, um, but, you know, we watched it and, and enjoyed it. But um, and I guess Lynch, you know, has kind of denounced it. And, you I know. think if you don't have any if you don't have any awareness of the material, you have to be very careful with it. And he did the whole book in one movie. Mm -hmm. And Denny, and not even that long of a movie. No. You know, this is two two hours and forty five minutes for and it's half just the, the book. first half of yeah. the story. So you could be like, "Oh, they're making two movies out of it." And in this case, I'm like, "That makes sense." I mean, mm -hmm. it's a lot of material, and he shaved, or did, some of it he shaved off, and some of it he collapsed into a single. Like, if you don't interpret that there's a couple of guys that have that mark on their lips and they seem to be the kind of court calculators, then you miss that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's a big deal in the book. Yeah. And it's just that they're there in the movie, but we don't ever really go into them. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know. I, um, I would recommend it. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I, I think if you know the books, you're going to, get more out of the film adaptation but i think your brother-in-law and your sister are pretty good indicators that they told the story they understood it mm -hmm. yeah yeah and again for me even though i i'd seen the the uh original adaptation of it i you know i most of it i felt like um there were a little bit at times where i was like okay why are, are these people doing this you know yeah. and, but 
Um, but I mean, it's definitely a, an impressive achievement because this is one that's been talked about for a long, long time that it's like an unfilmable book. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I would recommend it too. I, you know, I, like I say, it's not the kind of sci-fi that I'm all that attracted to necessarily, but you know, it's, he did a really great job with it and, and it just, the visuals are just amazing, you know? So um, I'm glad that I saw it on the, on the big screen and they just, so just yesterday, and this will be a couple of weeks before this, this goes up, but just yesterday then, so it was a little bit on the fence as to whether the second half would get made right. because uh, HBO released it on HBO max at the same time that they released it in theaters. And, with some movies, you know, that has hurt their box office, but the box office has been enough that, uh, that yesterday they announced the second half will be made and it comes out yeah. in 2023. I read so. an article that said they, they were saying, you know, we are all very excited about it. And mm -hmm. we think maybe this was then a himself saying this, that everybody seems genuinely excited, but we're just holding our breath, waiting to see what the actual numbers are going to be. Because if, if everybody loves it and it doesn't make its money back, that's it. Yeah, because <laughs> you know, that was the business. That was the thing that happened with Blade Runner. I mean, yeah. it was it was well received critically, I believe. And, you know, people who I love were, it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was great. But unfortunately, it, you know, it didn't make, you know, it was an, a big budget movie and it didn't make enough money and they apparently aren't going to do another one. So, you know what but, I thought about? But I was that? really glad that Dune, that they greenlit the second half because i definitely want to see you know the rest of it the replicants part, part of the problem of it for as being a contemporary sci-fi movie is the robots the replicants don't look like robots mm -hmm. so it's really about it's like an ai story it's about well what are you what's life and what is a citizen and what rights does a living thing have when your robot is literally indistinguishable i mean it's superior to the people that are just born and raised mm -hmm. um but basically it's a movie of people walking around talking to each other it's yeah. you know like glowing blue eyes and like jumping over buildings and you know shooting lasers out of their hands and turning into cars yeah exactly so uh so i recommend it um and me too and you recommend it mm -hmm. and we recommend it go see it it's great yeah, definitely, uh, you know, if it's playing wherever you are, because in some countries it's been out for a while, but um, again, if it's something that you're at all interested, see it in the big screen, on the big screen, because yeah. this isn't a movie that you want to watch on your laptop or something and, like and that. And if you are going to watch it, like I, the sound is so important. So one of the watchings I watch during the day and my family is can hear the TV upstairs when I'm down there. So I put in noise canceling uh earbuds that i can pair with my tv and the sound on it is phenomenal you get all this kind of crazy detail but if you can if you have a thx option or you have a sound bar that you can put in cinema mode or whatever where you get the full the sound design of this one is just as rich as the visual design and you really want to hear it big um and as well as see it big that was one thing there were some times where I, I didn't, 
catch 100% of the dialogue because at times they're whispering and things like that. And that one advantage to being at home is you can turn subtitles on. I do that a lot, yeah. with, you know, watching movies because yeah. uh, sometimes you miss a little bit of dialogue. And especially with this, um, where, you know, they're using a lot of words that have made up for, you know, the, yes. the, the movie. Um, but yeah, that was only... That was one minor, I mean, that's not a fault of, I think that was the theater that I was in. I don't think they had the volume up quite loud enough, but so. Get your money back, folks. I know. Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. All the socials, blah, 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 bling, bang, blom. You know what to do, do it. Um, and for next time, we know what we're going to do. We're thinking about some stuff. Yeah, I think maybe we should... Uh talk about it a bit because i don't think we have we're gonna talk about it for a little we're bit gonna talk about and it we're not gonna tell you what we say <laughs> but it'll be okay and join us next time and anything Please. else to add i don't think so and watch dune watch dune babies. and even go and and watch the the lynch one too and compare compare and contrast dune it up although it, it, maybe you don't want to do that because it's going to give away stuff in the second second movie but i don't know i don't know we will talk to you next week. Boop.